All right, good evening. Looking forward to examining the scripture yet again about what it says about various uh, topics in our lives. And tonight I think is a pertinent one for us. But to begin, I ask you to turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, we're going to look at a simple verse here in a moment. You know, it's really important as a Christian, as a Bible-believing Christian, not only to know what you believe, but also to know what distinguishes my belief from the belief of my religious neighbor or the church down the street. We can very easily just kind of fall into the mindset of, well, you know, I guess there's just a lot of different interpretations and people see things differently and they read the Bible differently. And how am I to know that my view, my interpretation is the correct one when there's really devout people of different religions and different faiths or different denominations that, that are very convinced of their viewpoint, who am I to say that my viewpoint is correct? Perhaps you've thought that. How do we know that as we read, the, the way we read the scripture is the truth? And we're going to look at one particular area tonight that perhaps many of you have either been raised in or have had a lot of interaction with, and hopefully tonight it will equip you to not only know how do I perhaps witness to somebody who is of this, of, of this, uh, of this background, or how, do I, how, do I, how can I grow my confidence that the scripture that I hold in my hand is truth and I'm reading it correctly. Tonight we're going to be asked the question, what does the Bible say about Catholicism? What does the Bible say about Catholicism? By raise of hands, if you don't mind raising your hand, how many of you would say that you come from a Catholic background? You've had either raised in it or uh, you were very closely connected with it, several of you. What do we as Christians, as Baptists, as Protestants uh, do, uh, and how should we view the Catholic faith? Particularly, this is the question we're going to ask, where do the doctrinal differences between Catholicism and Protestantism come from? We're in Romans chapter 5, and we're going to look at one, one verse to start out. We'll look at a few other verses as well. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. We're going to ask this question, how are we made right before God? By what basis are we saved? And in Romans chapter 5, verse 9, we read this. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Very core to our faith is the doctrine of justification. It's a, it's a belief that both Catholics and Protestants hold to. They both believe in justification, but what they mean by justification is radically different. And I want us to keep in mind Romans chapter 5, verse 9, because that verse actually tells us when in our life we are justified. Now, if you were to look in that verse and say, when are we justified, what would be the answer? At that moment, right? We have been justified. We have now been justified. That is a past tense. So we have been justified. So we believe in something called initial justification. We are justified. We are declared righteous is what that doctrine means. We are declared righteous judicially by God the Father because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, that his righteousness is credited to our account and our sin and our debt is credited to his account, which he paid for on the cross. So we believe that justification is at the beginning and it is judicial. Now a Catholic would believe in justification, but they would say that justification is a final 
justification. And you are not declared righteous, but actually made righteous. And so justification is something that's actually out in front. And there are some things that you need to do to make sure you reach that final justification. We read in Romans chapter 5, verse 9, we have been justified. That's really important. Next question I want to ask, and you don't have to turn there. Most, most of you probably have it memorized. But Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 answers the question, what's necessary for salvation? How are we saved? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man may boast. We believe that, grace, that we are saved by grace alone through faith alone. One more passage that many of you already know. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17 answers this question. What is the basis of our authority as Christians? Those verses say, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. We as Protestants, as Baptists, would say, what's necessary? What's, what's the basis of our authority? We would say it's Scripture alone. Only the Bible. And when we consider the difference between our faith and the faith of the Catholic Church, it really comes down to those beliefs. Justification by grace through faith alone, as revealed in Scripture alone. Because oftentimes when we think of Catholicism, we'll think, well, they, you know, they just believe that you have to do a lot of good works. You have to do things to get to heaven. Well, what if, what if I were to tell you that a, that a Catholic would come to you and say this? I believe, as a Catholic, that you are saved by grace through faith and only by Jesus Christ. Would you be like, what? You're not supposed to say that. That's my line, right? They would say that. They would say that. And so that's why we need to dig down a little bit and this is why it's so confusing and difficult to actually kind of work through this, is, is, is we share much of the same words. We, say, we, we both look at Scripture and consider it authoritative. We'll say that we're saved by grace. We'll say, we'll, we'll, be say that, we'll say that we're saved by faith and only by Jesus Christ. So all those things, we would say the same thing. But when you dig down into it, it's not, as, it's not the same thing. We'll look at that in a bit. As we consider some of the Catholic doctrines, obviously there are, there are a lot of them. Um, let me just give some examples of things that we would differ with, with, with Catholicism, um, and then we're gonna dig down as to why we hold these, difference, these differences. One thing I'm sure that you're aware of is the, the veneration of the saints, right? They, uh, they'll pray to the saints, or maybe ask saints to pray for them, to bring their, their prayers before Christ. Uh, those who have passed away. Um, oftentimes we'll look at them and say, you worship saints. A Catholic would say, no, we don't worship saints. We venerate them, um, which is kind of close in my opinion, but uh, you know, we won't split hairs too much. And they'll, they'll, they'll say that, that, well, you ask your friend to pray for you, right? It's just kind of the same thing. But they'll hold to the veneration of saints. Uh, obviously, we hear of Mary and the Immaculate Conception. What is this doctrine? Well, uh, Mary was sinless. When the angel came to Mary, he said that she was full of grace. And they said that Catholicism will say this is necessary uh, for Jesus to be sinless as a son of God. Mary had to be sinless as well. And among all the saints, 
Catholics will venerate Mary above all else. Hail Mary, full of grace. Very core to Catholicism is the practice of the sacraments. Uh, there's seven core, same, seven main sacraments in the Catholic Church. Now, sacraments are where the spiritual meet the physical. Following a certain form to create a physical representation of a spiritual reality. Oftentimes when I talk about baptism and what baptism is for us, I'll say it's an outward sign of an inward reality, right? As I was studying for this, I was reading you know, Catholic articles and things like that, and they started describing baptism. And you know how they describe baptism? They said, it is an outward sign of an inward reality. I'm like, no, whoa, what's going on? Again, they're stealing my line again. They can't be doing that. But this is what a sacrament is. It is an outward sign of an inward reality. But this is where Catholicism goes further in that that physical picture of a spiritual reality becomes the channel by which God infuses real grace to that individual. So grace is, in a sense, embedded in the ritual itself. So how do you receive grace from God? By the sacraments, according to Catholicism. So here's some of those sacraments. There are three that are the sacraments of initiation. Baptism being the first one. Through this sacrament, the individual, often a, a baby, an infant, is brought into the life of Christ. Catholicism teaches that original sin is washed away through this act of baptism. Personal sins are forgiven. Christ's atonement is applied to the soul. So baptism is necessary for salvation. It's not a stretch to say that Catholicism teaches that in order to be saved, you must be baptized. Secondly, after that, is confirmation. Confirmation is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the individual, placing his mark on him. This teaches that this deepens the grace you have received in baptism. It leaves a, quote, indelible spiritual mark. And then thirdly, the third sacrament of initiation is Holy Communion, or the Eucharist, in which the bread and wine are transubstantiated. What does that word mean? It means that when, when the priest blesses the, the bread and the wine, they turn into the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. Now, this change cannot be noticed by the senses. Convenient. Um, but it must be received by faith. But it's an actual change. It's an actual transformation. And the Eucharist is what unifies us to Christ. Proof text for this. Jesus says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So, Catholicism will say, how are you joined to Christ? Well, you, your sins are washed away through the, the sacrament of baptism. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit in confirmation. And you're united to Christ through the Eucharist, through Holy Communion. And then there's more sacraments that continue throughout your life. There's confession, right, and the penance associated with that. Jesus told Peter, which Catholicism says is who, he was the first pope, um, that whatever he binds on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. And so that's translated to mean that priests have the ability to forgive, to bind, to loose, and so believers are to confess their sins and do acts of penance to show their contrition. After your baptismal regeneration, confession, and penance, this is how you stay right with the church through your life. 
the act of confession. In fact, the Catholic Church also talks about a treasury of merit, which is basically excess righteousness uh, stored up by Christ, Mary, the saints. is given to those who do acts of penance and thereby shortening their time in purgatory. Marriage is a sacrament. Um, ordination is a sacrament when someone is ordained to be a priest. And then the anointing of the sick is a sacrament. These are all signs, physical signs, that communicate spiritual truths and are actually the avenue, the channel through which grace is infused and is imparted to the believer. Now again, if we zoom out and consider the way of salvation according to Catholicism, a Catholic would say, you are saved by grace through faith because of Jesus Christ. But when you unpack that statement, there's a lot more to it. You are saved by grace as it is applied to you in baptism through faith of the church. So especially when a with a baby, right? It's actually the faith, the collective faith of the church that is doing it. And then you must be confirmed. And then you must have communion. And then you must do penance and avoid mortal sins. And so they'll say you're saved by grace through faith, but what that means in reality is what? It's faith plus works. Now it's very important to note that there are scriptural references attached to each of these. Right? Catholicism does not ignore scripture in all of this. They, 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 they elevate scripture. First example, veneration of saints. A proof text for this is, is Revelation 5.8. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Uh, the Immaculate Conception, Luke 1.28, he came to her and said, oh, oh greetings, uh, full of grace basically means favored one. The Lord is with you. Uh, Genesis 3.15 is a proof text for this. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The argument there is, is Satan represents sin. The woman represents, represents Mary. And these are opposed to each other. And if they're diametrically opposed to each other, then, then Mary cannot have sin if she is opposed to sin. And therefore she is sinless. And similarly, I can go through the sacraments and show you which scriptures are used to support the position. Baptism, John chapter 3, you must be born of water and the Spirit. And I could go, there's, there's scriptures for each one. But if I were to look, if we were to look at all those texts in depth, I'm, I'm sure you would conclude, well, I'm surely that's not enough. Especially when you look at the context or you look at other passages of scripture that seem to be communicating differently. How can, how can the Catholic Church come up with such a core doctrine for their church on such minimal proof texts? And I believe they are minimal. And I'll tell you why. It all goes back to the basis of authority. What is the basis of authority? And what do we say is the basis of our authority as Christians? It is scripture alone. It's this book. We believe that it is inspired, inerrant, and authoritative. But Catholicism teaches the same thing. They say that scripture is the inerrant word of God. But there is one other thing that we believe about the Bible that Catholicism does not believe. We believe that the scripture is inspired, authoritative, and sufficient. Sufficient. When we look at basis of authority, 
and, and we, we, we say that we believe in the word of God as our ultimate authority, Catholicism actually points to three things for their authority. And this is not, this isn't hidden, this isn't, you know, the kind of a, a sneaky doctrine, this is, this is very plain, very, very clear. It is the word of God, and tradition, and magisterium is basically the, the authority to teach, the, the, the Roman Catholic Church's authority to teach. Now you might say, well, didn't Jesus say something about, you know, the, the woe to those who uphold as doctrine the traditions of men? How could they say that tradition is on equal footing with the Word of God? Well, the Roman Catholic Church teaches that truth, there's truths passed from Christ to the Apostolic Fathers and passed down through the bishops of the church through the ages, in addition and outside of the written revelation. So this authoritative divine revelation outside of the Bible was orally passed down. You read in the New Testament in the epistles, Paul says, you know, um, follow the tradition of which I gave you. And Catholicism will hold tradition, which according to their doctrine is, is this spoken word given to the apostles and passed down through the church, not through the written scripture, but through the church. This is equally authoritative as the Bible. And then thirdly, magisterium is, 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 again, this idea that the Catholic Church has the sole authority to interpret the Bible and to teach the Bible. Perhaps you've heard of the term ex cathedra, where the, 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 the Pope, when speaking from his chair, is infallible in what he says. Let me give you some examples from Vatican II, right? The, the main statement of, their, of, 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 of Catholic teaching. This is, what, this is what's said there in Vatican II. Sacred tradition and sacred scripture form one sacred deposit of the word of God committed to the church. So if you go to a Catholic and say, do you believe in the word of God? What would they say? Yes. What is the word of God? It is sacred scripture and sacred tradition. One other quote. It is clear, therefore, that sacred tradition, sacred scripture, and the teaching authority, there's magisterium, of the church, in accord with God's most wise design, are so linked and joined together that one cannot stand without the others. Now, what is implied there? Scripture cannot stand apart from the tradition of the church. And that all together, and each in its own way, under the action of the one Holy Spirit, contribute effectively to the salvation of souls. So it's not only scripture, but is the authoritative teaching of the Catholic Church as they pass on tradition. I read one Catholic writer who said this, the mere fact that the church teaches that something is definitely true is a guarantee that it is true. Now, if I were to stand up here and say, this is true because I said it. This is what the church says. Hopefully you would fire me. 
But Roman Catholic teaching says that if the church teaches it, it is true. And when the authority and revelation depends not solely on scripture, but on the church itself, then it's not surprising to learn that salvation depends not on faith, but on the church itself. The way of salvation is through the church. The Catholic Church is the gatekeeper of salvation. Being right with God depends not on your crying out to God in faith, but in performing the rituals, the sacraments, as administered by the church. And since the authority of the church is on equal plane with the authority of scripture, the church can add requirements that the scripture itself does not add. And this is, this is at the core of, of what di- makes us different than Roman Catholicism. It's, it, is, it is our confession, it is our belief that everything, this church, this pastor, this congregation, everything is under the word of God. And if, and if I as a pastor speak something in addition to or contrary to scripture, I'm in violation of it that I, I need to be submitted to it. And it's for this very reason that we read of, in history, the story of a monk named Martin Luther. I'm sure you know the story. In the 1500s, who sparked the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther was a fascinating character. He was, he was quite a character. At one point, while he was a pope, he took a trip to Rome, where he was seeking to partake in some traditions uh, to help family members in purgatory. And if you did these things, you would be able to get your families out of purgatory faster. And one such tradition stated that if you climbed the holy stairs in Rome on your knees, you could earn an indulgence from the Pope. And so Martin Luther does this. And while he's climbing, Martin Luther is thinking of a particular passage, Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. And he knew in his heart that this practice wouldn't cleanse his soul. Only faith could do that. So why was he doing it? Well, because the authoritative church said so. And this event, the event that spurred the Protestant Reformation was Martin Luther nailing his 95 theses to the doors of the castle church in Wittenberg on October 31st, 1517. And these 95 theses spoke out specifically against the doctrine of indulgences. What was the doctrine of indulgences? That you could purchase these indulgences, which was some of this stored up merit that you could give to your passed away family members, friends, to shorten their time in purgatory. And in these 95 theses, one phrase that he wrote says this, the true treasure of the church is in the gospel of the glory and grace of God. It's not some stored, stored up place It's in the gospel. And he upheld the doctrines of justification by grace alone through faith alone. And he came to these conclusions by scripture alone. And finally, I'm sure many of you know this story, when he stood before his challengers at the Diet of Worms, I always read it as the Diet of Worms, which sounds really gross, (laughs) Diet of Worms on April 18th, 1521, and was asked if he would recant his writings, Luther spoke these famous words. Unless I am refuted and convicted by testimonies of the scriptures or by clear arguments, I am conquered by the holy scriptures quoted by me. And my conscience is bound in the word of God. 
I cannot and will not recant anything since it is unsafe and dangerous to do anything against the conscience. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. And that was the basis for the Protestant Reformation. What was it? Scripture alone. And so we ask, well, how could, how could a devout Catholic and a devout Protestant come to such differing conclusions? It's actually quite simple. What is your basis of authority? If you limit your basis of authority to Scripture alone, you're very limited in your view of salvation. But when you add to that authority, then it opens the doors for all kinds of false teaching. Would I call Catholicism a false religion? Yes, I would. I believe if a false religion is something that changes the gospel of Jesus Christ, then it's a false religion. If you say, well, can someone, can someone get saved, genuinely saved in a Catholic church? I think, by God's grace, it's possible. Because there's similar language. There's grace, speaking of grace by Christ through faith, all these things. But I would say that that person is getting saved in spite of the church's teaching, not because of the church's teaching. And so as we interact with those that may be coming from a Catholic background, how do we approach them? How do we show them the truth of the gospel? I believe it's going to the authority, for us the sole authority, and for them one of three, but going to that authority and saying, here is the way of salvation. And showing that it's actually in contradiction to the traditions upheld by the Catholic Church. That if we hold to Scripture alone for salvation, for, for our authority, the way, of, the way of salvation is clear. We believe that the church does not hold the keys to salvation. Scripture holds the keys to salvation. And we simply are stewards of his written revelation. And we seek to be as faithful to it as we can. We as a church family, we are not infallible. We'll get things wrong. I'll get things wrong. The scripture is infallible. You don't gain salvation by being part of our church. You gain salvation through Christ alone, through grace alone, by faith alone. Through, because, of, because, of the, because of the gospel and because of its truth, we are brought into the church. We, get, we do get to grow together as a church family. But it's not through the acts of sacraments or any other work that makes you right before God. Going back to the very beginning, it is through that initial justification. When Christ declares you righteous, you are innocent. And at that moment, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit not through the act of confirmation, but through the gift of the Holy Spirit. You are united to Christ, not by partaking in bread and wine, but by crying out in faith and identifying with him as your savior. We hold a glorious gospel, and we have friends and family members that we have the, the, the opportunity to speak to those who actually point to scripture and say, this is the word of God. Right? Not everyone we talk to are going to have that same common ground. This is the word of God. 
But as we show them that word of God, we can show them the true way of salvation. May we all be compassionate in our dealings with those that are raised in different faiths. You know, we can't stand here and, and act arrogantly and pridefully, like, we got it right, you got it wrong, ha ha, no, that's not how we, how we respond, is it? We are sinners <laughs> saved by grace. We just sang about that. We're sinners saved by grace, and it is not of ourselves. We stand here not because of anything that we have done. And so in our interactions with those that are in the darkness, we don't approach them with pride because we're in the light. We approach them with humility and love because we want them to come into the light with us through the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have shown us the truth of your word. Lord, we thank you that we have your written revelation. And you say at the very end of your book that cursed is the one who adds to this or takes away from the words written in this book. Help us, Lord, to elevate Scripture as our final authority. Help us to depend on you and your grace for everything in our life, not just salvation, but in every good work. Lord, we thank you that you've saved us, not by works, but by grace. And we pray that our lives would reflect that glorious truth as we reach out to those who need you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. For our closing song tonight, we're going to stand together and sing Complete in Thee. Just look at the words to this song as we, before we sing this. No work of mine may take, dear Lord, the place of thine. As we sing this, let's, let's sing it as a prayer to God of thanks for what he has done for us. Let's sing this together. this evening. Don't forget, if you'd like to uh, help out with caroling for our uh, Christmas festival, don't forget to come up here uh, after we conclude in prayer. And uh, again, uh, be praying for the Christmas festival on December 8th. We're looking forward to seeing what God is going to do and a lot of opportunity for you to be helping out and volunteering for that as well. Let's pray one more time uh, before we dismiss. Thank you, Lord, for uh, who you are. I pray that we as your church would be lights to those around us who need you that we would uphold your scripture and your gospel as a beacon of hope to those lost in darkness. Help us, Lord, to be the church even this week, even though we aren't gathering together throughout this week, that we would spread out and spread your light to those around us, um, that we would proclaim your name.